0: This is the Mojon
2: Sports Podcast, a deeper dive into the great personalities we know and
1: love. Now, here's your host, Bob the Moj Marjanovic. Welcome to MojonSports.com. I'm the Moj, Bob Marjanovic. Episode 15 of The Bio features professional poker player Greg Mueller, based in White Rock Mules, as he's known to his friends and those in the industry. He's quite a character, and he's had an interesting journey getting to where he's at. A former hockey player in Germany, grew up playing hockey here in B.C., and then transitioned into the world of poker. It's a great story. Greg Mueller, next. Like what you hear?
0: We'd love to have you on board with us as a partner. If you have a business
2: that could benefit from partnering with us, please contact us at
0: mojohnsports.com.
1: Every athlete is looking for a competitive edge, and you can find one at Stokodesign.com. The K1 Embrace System wraps your legs with over 90 feet of high-strength support cables that are directly integrated into an ultra-comfortable compression tape. The cabling is positioned to naturally move with you, supporting your knee when you need it most. You can customize your level of support with two control dials in the waistband. This is the future of knee support. Stokodesign.com. This is the Mojon Sports
2: Podcast. Time now for our feature bio. Here's Bob the Moj
0: Marjanovic.
1: This week, we feature professional poker player Greg Mueller, a Vancouver resident, or I should say White Rock resident, to be actually correct. Uh, he joins us for this episode. Greg, thanks for stopping by. My pleasure. Look at your background man you go going high tech shadow creek you got like a deal with them by any chance or what oh i would love to have
2: a deal with them you guys <laughs> would never see me
1: <laughs> hey yeah we'll talk about your love for golf at the tail end but for you know a lot of people know you obviously as a professional po- uh, poker player uh, a man who's won three world series of poker bracelets but what a lot of people don't know is you had a background in hockey and you know we'll get into that in a second but was born in switzerland tell us how young little greg mueller wound up from switzerland in canada
2: <laughs> my parents uh my dad's a chef um hence uh he eventually opened up moby dick's restaurant but he's a chef and uh my mom and him worked at a high-end hotel in 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 switzerland i don't know where or what it was and they wanted to immigrate to uh to canada and and and, uh, started, a, started a life there. So they, they came into Canada into Calgary, actually with me, I was, uh, two years old at the time. And my dad had a job lined up in Calgary at, a you know, some high-end place as a chef and it, the restaurant went, something happened to the restaurant and the owner of the restaurant said, I can get you a spot in one of two places, either Saskatchewan or Winnipeg, one of the two or Vancouver. And my dad didn't speak much English at the time, so my mom handled it, asked a few people, Winnipeg or Vancouver, as they're in Calgary. And they said, oh, Winnipeg, too cold, go to Vancouver. So the guy lined my dad up with a job at the cannery as the head chef. I'm not sure if you remember that restaurant I
1: love seafood. that restaurant one of my all-time favorites
2: yeah not the one that's there now but the, the old cannery like the the fish restaurant uh, seafood restaurant my dad was the head chef there and ironically I despise all seafood and uh yeah they 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 moved to Vancouver and my dad worked there before coming to White Rock and and opening up Moby Dick's from from scratch
1: Moby Dick's right on the uh right on the beachfront right there best fish and chips in White Rock so there you a little plug for Moby Dick's. <laughs> What was it like growing up as a kid in White Rock? I mean, what do you remember of your time uh, roaming the streets of the rock?
2: Well, we used to have a porch above the restaurant and we'd play floor hockey day and night and, uh, you know, go to the pier, jump in and go crabbing. I was a little businessman when I was a young, young kid, uh, catching, you know, Dungeness and rock crab and selling them and, you know, things that you do when you're living,
1: living on the water. So like when you're a little kid, I mean, clearly now we know that you're a professional poker player. So it was like, you know, mules in grade three was you organizing like, you know, Texas holding games or, you know, taking all your buddies' lunch money or were no. the other kid growing up wanting to be a star in the national hockey league.
2: Yeah, no, I was, it's funny. Cause my dad being, you know, German, he's German, even though they, they worked in Switzerland, they're German. And my dad, um, was a soccer guy, obviously. And, uh, he, he put me into soccer as a kid. And I was decent soccer player, but friends of mine played hockey. And so I would get them to drop me off at Centennial Arena and just watch my buddies play hockey. I was drawn to hockey. And so at seven, finally, after nonstop, you know, wanting to play hockey, they put me into hockey. So I played soccer and hockey for many years. And then hockey was, was where it was at for me. I just, I loved being at the rink. I loved to play. And um, yeah, then that was obviously my goal was to, to, you know, play hockey for a living.
1: Well, I did the the hockey DB search. I saw that you played six years in Germany, but what led up to the time in Germany? Did you play BCHL? Was it junior? I mean, how did that all work out?
2: I mean, I was a pretty late bloomer, Moj in all areas of life. Like, you know, my size, I, I was tall and skinny and it took a while to grow into my body and get the confidence. And 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 so I played, you know, a little bit junior B, 16 and 17 and and then just played midget triple a in white rock with the semi ravens and and then i i had a a little stint um in the bcj just for a couple games and then i was lucky through through some contacts ken barry i don't know if the name rings a bell to you but he played many years in the nhl and he was a family friend and he said why don't you just come to germany you got a german passport you can stay at my house and um you know I'll, I'll try and help you get contacts like you know we all thought with a German passport I would be able to just play right away but I had to sit out for three seasons and play as an import which obviously I was never good enough to play in the top league as an import so fortunately I had two years of junior eligibility and I uh, found a home in Munich and you know thanks in, in large to Kenny Barry and was able to you know, find a, the, the junior team gave me a place to stay and a, and a little job and, and made it worth my while for the first two years. And then for the third year that I had to sit out at the big club uh, in, the, in the Bundesliga before it became the DEL, um, took me on as an import. I had to play at least one game. So I played a few games as an import and practiced with the team full time until the end of that season. I got my my qualification for, for the German league and then signed a, a contract to play in the DEL.
1: How much fun was that?
2: unbelievable we got to play in the spangler cup our team was so good um the munich mad dogs were coached by bob murdoch um who's in the nhl and for many years and and we went to the spangler cup in, in davos switzerland and it just it was unbelievable you know we were like the we were like the new york rangers or the montreal canadians of the league like our team had the most money and the most stars and and you know it was like you flew everywhere and it was it was pretty cool yeah
1: it's almost like being a, i want to say a cheap man's version of the NHL, but it sounds like it was all first class.
2: Absolutely. And I mean, the fans there are loud and people are, I mean, I guess no one really had cell phones back then, but people were loud singing and everyone was decked out in scarves, just like you see in hockey, right? In scarves and, and jerseys and, and the atmosphere was awesome. Like he, he, the fans would be basically, you know, a lot of them standing the whole game right up against the glass. And that was pretty, it was, it was quite fun.
1: Now, you hear stories these days, and I'm sure you do as well, that there's guys in the National Hockey League, they get on the plane, and they do pretty well playing poker. I know, like, you know, I've heard stories, and I'm sure you have too. One certain defenseman that's now in Los Angeles when he was in Vancouver did a pretty good job of, of cleaning up. <laughs> Richmond Troy. <clears throat> um, but were you, were you playing a lot of poker while you are playing hockey? Were you, were you excelling at it and basically taking all your buddies' money? Well
2: we, you know, I, I like to sign contracts in Germany after I kind of got established a bit where there was a lot of Canadians, Canadian coach and, you know, and yeah, we would, we would be in the back and we'd play, we didn't play poker, but we'd play like, you know, schnarples and euchre and all kinds of stuff. And the gambling, you know, it was, it started then. And, you know, I, I used, I remember me and your buddy Whitey used to go to the Lummy Island Casino when we were you know 19 or 20 or 21 and we every off season when I was home we would play like tiny stakes poker every single day and uh yeah that carried on when we were in the back of the buses over in in Germany you know when we were close enough to not fly or even when we flew we always get a deck of cards and 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 start playing you know not necessarily for huge money but you know it'd be sometimes you guys would get hurt
1: (laughs) so what's the how does the transition start from playing hockey in germany to being a professional poker player
2: well uh, a good buddy of mine who you've met we call him coach um he came over my last year when i was there and uh he's a professional poker player and he was good buddies with a friend of mine on, on my team and he stayed with him and he'd go to the casino every single day and on we we had Mondays off. We play Friday, Sunday, and every second Tuesday. So we had Mondays off if we weren't playing Tuesday. And we would all go to the casino and play poker. And just sitting behind him and watching him and um, you know he expedited my learning curve in poker so much just from little things he told me that, you know, I wasn't a book guy. I never read the book Super System. Like I was not a guy that read. I just was all feel and instincts. And so when a guy would explain things to me the whole car ride in and car ride back which sometimes took like an hour and a half to get to v spot and uh the casino it was yeah it was it was big and then when uh when my mother passed in 99 and i just retired from hockey on the spot i figured well i gotta do something and then uh i took all the experience and the help and all that from coach and started at the very 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 bottom of the poker totem pole and started started to play
1: More coming up with professional poker player Greg Mueller after this message. Redefine how you lead. Take the next step in your leadership journey with Ignite Management. Become a leader that positively impacts those around you. Create an environment where your team thrives. Be in control of your own development with a detailed analysis of your leadership style, complete with actionable insights and recommendations. Visit ignitemanagement.ca for more info.
0: From hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend-setting hotels, westcoasttraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular West Coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com.
1: You're listening to the Mo on Sports
0: Podcast.
1: Whenever it comes to tires or meeting your automotive needs, I only send my friends to one place, OK Tire in Langley. Okay, Tyron Langley is more than just tires. It's about complete automotive care and it's about being treated right by my good friends, the Delaney family. Delaney's Okay, Tyron Langley, 19863 Fraser Highway or call them at 604 530 2545. Mules, like when you started, did were you like in that online craze? Because I don't know if you knew a guy named Bob Beverage. He was a buddy of mine from UBC. He was a, a pro poker player and you're laughing because you know Bob probably, but. You know, he told me, he told me that like at the start, when all this online poker stuff came on, you could make a killing, right? If you knew what you're doing and then everybody just kind of got better, right? And became a lot tougher to win in terms of online poker. Are you part of that craze as well?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. First of all, I know beverage and a good guy. And uh, I think he lives out here now because I run into him every now and again, Mm -hmm. um, when I'm out for a late night cocktail, but, uh, he, uh, Yeah, he's right on there. I mean, I was never really, online was never really my thing. Part of, for me, part of my success is sitting at the table, talking to people, getting information, trash talking, you know, disguising my own hand, getting info. But yeah, in the very beginning, I mean, I was sponsored by Full Tilt Poker. And, uh, you know, my nickname in poker is FBT, full-blown tilt. And then people would always confuse it with FTP, full tilt poker, because uh, I was a, a sponsored pro for them. And so I played my, my share of online poker. And, yeah, in the beginning, obviously, I had success because I was, you know, quite ahead of the learning curve uh, compared to everybody else. But with all the, the, the online learning and online tutorials and books and reading online rapidly became extremely tough. And, you know, I play online nowadays sometimes if I'm bored, but I mostly just play Chinese poker because like sitting down in a no limit hold'em table with the online wizards or gurus as we call them, they're just too young and too quick. And they're, I mean, they just have, they're like bots. They've solved the game kind of, you know, but live when they come to Las Vegas and sit at the table, um these gurus quickly aren't quite the gurus anymore because it's a whole different element instead of playing you know five ten games at once just robotically clicking you're playing in one game you got to read people you got to have patience you gotta you know you gotta have a little personality and so it's 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 a different different game
1: when you first started i mean were you intimidated because i'm thinking to myself you know you hear that expression if you sit down at a table and you don't know who the mark is, you're probably the mark, but I mean, w- when you first started, you're going up against these guys that have been around, that have played poker, I imagine. And what was that like just beginning in, in into the business? Because I just think to myself, it would be extremely intimidating. And you know, the other part of the the fact is that, well, you're losing money if you, do, if you don't do well, right?
2: Well, yeah, like, I mean, in the very beginning, I, I came up from the smallest of the, the smallest. Like I said, I mean, you know, I'd play in the, in the, me and Whitey would drive to Lummy Island Casino and, and we'd, we'd be there all night and come home at 5 a.m. and, you know, and you're paying your dues. And, and I would start out here and then I'd jump up a level and then I'd jump up another level and then I'd get my ass handed to me and I'd drop down again and then I'd dominate there and go up a level. And then this time I'd hold my own and I'd go up another level and boom, I'd get spanked and I'd, you know, I'd lick my wounds and rebuild because, you know, there's several, reasons why you want to or don't want to move up in limits and you know bankroll management level of play like it all has to do with it and so I used to pride myself on playing in slightly smaller games without the superstars but dominate those games instead of playing with the big dogs and being a small fish in in that game you know and then uh, of course once once I took my game out of the River Rock and the Holiday Inn on Broadway and expect. Banded it into vegas where you really meet the best of the best you know that was a whole different thing playing you know the first time i'd sit in a game with doyle brunson or you know phil ivy phil helmuth daniel negrano all the big names like you know at first it was quite like ooh, ooh you know and now meanwhile it's i <laughs> i have zero intimidation you know in fact i enjoy playing with those guys quite a bit you know
1: was there ever a time where you thought to yourself what the f am i doing here or what am i doing with my life It this isn't working out did you ever get to that point in poker or was it pretty much an ascent all the way through or did you have some peaks and valleys
2: oh no definite peaks and valleys in the in the gambling world there's always peaks and valleys you know i mean the cards don't have a memory and you know like imagine if you flip the coin and in a perfect world if you flipped it 100 times you're supposed to be 50 heads and 50 tails right but sometimes you're going to get 15 tails in a row and you're just waiting when's the heads come you know and in the poker world if you're a you know you're a 50 50 coin flip with two queens against ace king let's say you might lose 20 of those in a row and it's just aggravating because you're like you know and and they're in big spots or deep in a tournament and boom you just walk out and Yeah, so it can be extremely humbling, frustrating, and that's why you always have to do the things, just like a professional athlete needs to do the things off the ice. Like, you can't just show up and and show up at training camp unless you're extraordinarily skilled, like the olden days. Nowadays, it's all about the off-ice preparation. And for me at the poker table, it's the same thing. You have to play in games you're financially comfortable in. Uh, You have to play in games where you feel like you have an edge. You have to play you know you have to make those choices first to allow yourself to win and if you're making the wrong choices jumping into the game you're basically going to be deemed a loser before you even start
1: who are some of your big influences you mentioned coach earlier others
2: uh well i mean i like to say sean buchanan local guy he i really took him under my wing early on but he was a real student of the game and uh he's a hell of a no limit poker player and he's a Unbelievable tournament player. And anytime on nowadays, you know, we have a little outstanding, uh, sorry, a, a standing deal that whenever the two of us play in the same tournament, we automatically have 10% of each other. It's like a lifetime thing because we used to be roommates on the road and stuff. And so it's just an incentive when the one guy's deep in a tournament for the other one to go to bed early with him, kind of to not stay up all night because it's a big day and we'd always trade 10%, right? And So, generally, if I'm deep in a tournament, um, which at the World Series, I seem to do better than Bucky does. But, you know, when he's in WPTs against the best of the best, he does really well. So, whenever I'm deep in a World Series tournament, he's always on the rail for the whole final day and and leading up to the final day. And if he sees me slouching down or getting flustered, or he'll call me over, Tizzle, get over here. And, And I'll be like, hey, sit up. You're playing for a million bucks. You're the star of this field. Don't let that beat get you down. Like, he's really good at. You know, or he reads certain situations and tells me as much as you want to, you know, bluff this guy, you can't. He's just, you know, he's a really, really, really good tournament player. And uh, he's a real pro at his craft. And so, um, you know, he's he's the guy that I share the most, uh, you know, I talk shop with the most. And, um, you know, it's me helping him with cash games, but him helping me with tournaments.
1: By the way, uh, we can work out an arrangement as well, 5% my may five percent your way if i'm in a tournament so it's all good we, we got that settled um you won three world series of poker bracelets what was it like winning the first one what emotion did you feel
2: yeah i was uh you know it was really special because i had had a lot of deep runs and just couldn't get the monkey off my back so to say and you know there's a lot of i don't play many tournaments in a row so I, any anymore sorry and so for me even the last one that I won was really special in 2019 before the pandemic, because I enter between four and ten tournaments every summer. Versus a guy like Negrano, who plays every event of every tournament, and so, you know, I believe he's got the most bracelets in Canada with six, and then me and uh, uh, Deemer both have three. Buddy of mine, also a local hockey player, and and we both play so little tournaments compared to he does, and compared to Daniel, and so. So it's kind of nice. But back in the day, I played a few more tournaments and, you know, I, I would come in second and third and eighth and sixth and second and third. And it was frustrating because you kind of in the poker world, the accolades or the glory, it's like the Stanley Cup in hockey kind of winning a World Series bracelet is kind of what puts your, puts your stamp on the map kind of say. So it was awesome when I finally won. one.
1: Why do you play less tournaments?
2: It feels like work to me, Moj. I I like to be, I like to have freedom, as you know. And here's an example. If I enter a tournament, now don't get me wrong, the glory of getting down to the final, the fifth day, these tournaments last five days and you're down to the final table and there's a million for first place and you're down to five people and the TV and, oh, it's awesome. the, the, The glory, the competition, the zigging, the sagging. Every spot you move up is a couple hundred thousand more. It's, it's exciting. But you got to get through a minefield to get there. And when you walk into the Rio and there's thousands of people sitting in the in the casino, and, you know, I just can't wait to, like, I'd rather be on the golf course. And so if I'm playing, you ask me why I like to play less tournaments. Well, if I'm playing in the cash game and I get a call from the Mojo going, Mules, I just landed at Bellagio. Where are you? I'm like, I'm at the Bellagio playing in the cash game. You're like, let's go for a beer and watch the hockey game. I say, cash me out. And I'm eating the sports book and we're having a beer watching a hockey game. If I'm in a tournament, I'm telling you, mo, that's bad timing. Hopefully I win this thing. In which case I'll be playing every day for five more days. And I, and I'm playing from noon till 3. AM, you know, with, with bathroom break every two hours. It's like a, you know, a stamp card, a full-time job, whereas the cash games I can play. Don't get me wrong. I, I grind 30 hours a day when I'm in Vegas, but I can also play one minute, go hit the golf course, go for a bite to eat. I can do what I want,
1: right? So you play a lot more private games, a lot more cash games then.
2: Not private, cash games at the casino. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're playing a cash game at the casino, you sit down, you can you can hit and run as they call it. You can lose and run. I can play one minute, get a call, and you be like, see, boys, I'm out of here. No explanations necessary. Or you can play sometimes like I've done 30, 40 hour sessions, you know, where <laughs> you're playing like I see people in the morning, they go to bed, I see them the next morning, they go to bed, I see them again, you know. So but it's It's my choice. I'm not there because I have to be, you know, I can go on break whenever I want.
1: Mules, the million dollar question. And you knew it was coming probably the most memorable moment in the history of TSN 1040 radio, the big blow up between Taylor and Pratt talking about Doyle Brunson, talking about poker being a sport, the million dollar question to you, because you're an athlete, you played hockey in Germany, you work out with the Canuck alumni is poker a sport?
2: No. It is not
1: why it is a game.
2: It is a competition. It is strategic. It has many things in common, like sports, discipline, hard work, um, you know, contact connection. Like it, it, it is, it is a, it is similar to sports, but it is not a sport. Why? Because when you're an athlete, you have to be mobile. You have to be in shape. You have to, you're using your body. And when you're a poker player, the beautiful thing is you can be all ages, races, size. It doesn't matter. You need your brain and the buy-in and that's it. And so it's a competition. It's competitive. The juices are flowing. You're not using your body.
1: Good. That settles that question. Donnie Taylor will be happy. Um, What makes a good poker player? What makes a great poker player?
2: people always ask me you know what advice can you give me or what's one thing you can give me I mean there are so many things you know the first thing is you need to be comfortable in the stakes you're playing for example if you and I played for a dollar and you and I was bluffing and you're like mules you're bluffing I call but I'm not bluffing you you lose a dollar who cares but let's say Moj we played for a hundred thousand and I went all in and you go Damn it, Mules, I think you're bluffing. But I don't want to lose 100000 I fold. Well, right? So no. you're comfortable playing for a dollar, but you're not for 100000 So the key is you got to play. If I can tell, if I can share a story one time between two poker players, uh, Antonio Esfendari, the magician, which I'm sure anybody that watches poker has seen him, was playing a guy by the name of Chris Smith. And they both would always trash talk each other. And they'd play heads up and they'd just bark and bark. And Antonio had won several tournaments back then and he had a large bankroll. and He just kept egging Chris. Come on, Chris. Yeah. I don't know what the language is like to be here, but he was like, come on, Chris. Yeah. You know, you quit, quit being such a, let's play for, let's play for a million. Let's play for this. Me and you heads up. No big deal. And finally, Chris Smith couldn't take it anymore. And he said, you know what, Antonio, I'll tell you what, let's play for something that's equal. The loser chops off their pinky. How's that? And all of a sudden, Antonio got real quiet real quick because uh, he had all the money. He could lose 100000 and he knew Chris wasn't bankrolled, so he would have an edge. But when Chris Smith said, let's play a tournament, heads up, the loser chops off his pinky, all of a sudden, Antonio didn't challenge him anymore. Because the key is, if you're playing in something that means too much, you're going to change your game. So to me, that's always the number one thing that I can um, say as, as, as part of the poker business, stay within your means. I mean, obviously, there's things like <laughs> – being physically fitter not playing too many hours playing in games where like you said if you don't recognize the fish you're the fish you know being able to read people taking your time not acting too quickly I mean there's I could go on and on and on but it's it's like a hockey player before his game before a playoff game he's going through all kinds of routines and things
1: you know now you've kind of got into golf the last few years and you pay play for the occasional dollar on the golf course as well as I've seen we've We've gone out for a few rounds. What is it about golf? I mean, you're addicted to the sport after picking it up maybe what, three, four years ago? I remember the first time we went out.
2: One and you're... a half years, Moj.
1: Okay. <laughs> is it one and a half? It seems Coming
2: like on, three. Two years in July.
1: Hey, you know what? It's one and a half COVID years, which seems like three years normally or four. But I do remember like playing with you at Peace Portal and like you're raving about your jacket, your rainwear, your golf balls, your bag, your this. Um, how much do you spent? Oh, about five, six K. Uh, how much have you spent on lessons lessons and then you started taking lessons and then you actually got really good i mean now you're what mid-80s probably is that fair enough
2: i mean i wouldn't say that every time but my last round was 85 so sure i'll take mid 80s um yeah i mean i mean for years my buddies have been like mules when are you going to take up golf or you know mules i got a spot here we're we're playing you know we're going up to Kelowna." Three of the boys, wicked guys, you know Higgy, Lofty, you know, you name it. Whitey, we're going up there and uh, we're gonna play Predator, and then we're gonna go to play Tobiano and in Cowloops. And I'm like, golf, no, 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 no. go without me. It's free. It's I don't care. I don't want to play. And then uh, with COVID, you know, it was something I could do with my dad because you were supposed to isolate and whatever, and golf was acceptable. So me, my dad, my brother went out to uh, Nickelwin and uh, played nine holes and. Yeah, I was by far the worst of the three and in case people don't know I'm quite competitive and uh, I didn't enjoy being the worst of the three even though it was just about getting out and so yeah, I, uh, it's insane how, how you know, the pandemic has been so bad for so many people and, you know, I don't want to selfishly say it but I found a hobby that I will take with me for the rest of my life and it's a game changer and like you said, I am fully addicted. I I, I ha- hired a uh, a coach, uh, Johnny Motomochi, who's not only an awesome coach, but the greatest guy. And uh, he's patient enough to work with my, with me and, uh, and, and, you know, and yeah, I've improved a lot thanks to his, his uh, teaching technique and his patience and working with him and like anything, mochi who, who doesn't like to be good at things? And, you know, it's a lot, I mean, I've seen you throw clubs and throw them in the drink and, you know, <laughs> because because who likes hitting balls and yelling four and throwing another one out of play and three off the deck and five off the deck. It's so much fun when you're lining up a putt for birdie, right? And so, yeah, I am fully addicted, I will say
1: And you still keep, you know, your foot in hockey. I guess you work somehow, someway, you must've won a lot of money off somebody on the Canuck alumni because you're part of the Canuck alumni. So I don't know how you finagle that, but it's, it's pretty good company that you keep in terms of like your ice time.
2: Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. They've really, uh, uh, you know, they, they're great. They, they make me feel at home. And, you know, obviously when you're playing with the legends of the game, um, you know, it's, it's always fun and they're great guys on and off the ice. And, um, you know, it's, they get the game, even when guys are older, they, they just understand how hockey's played and, and, and it's a lot of fun and they've kind of welcomed me into their group and, you know, thanks in, 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 bit, in large part to my good buddy, Mark Lofthouse. And, uh, so yeah, no, that's, I'm, I, I, I love, I love my, I love nice skates. And especially when we get to skate at Rogers arena, I mean, it's, every single time you're like a kid in a candy store, you know, it doesn't matter how old or young you are, it's, It's a lot of fun.
1: You mentioned whittling down your appearances in pro tournaments. Do you see that continuing to go down as you get older and, you know, playing more cash games, you know, just enjoying your time golfing?
2: Well, if I could get better at golf, I might just quit poker altogether. (laughs) I mean, uh, (laughs) we have some pretty big golf matches uh, with the boys when I'm in Vegas. Um, I mean, we don't need to get into the details, but my first, my first, golf game outside the lower mainland when things opened up last uh october when i went down to vegas for the world series we we played at cascada and we played a little scramble and it wasn't so little anymore so um i i i would i would love to be a full time scrambler player but but in, an, in 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 answer to your question uh it's funny because you know every year when i go back to the world series like i'm gearing up for it now it starts in the end of May here, beginning of June, back to the normal schedule. They're moving it from the Rio actually to Bally's and the Paris. And my understanding is the the day ones will be at Bally's and then the day two and the final tables, uh, three and four and five days will be at Paris. And so, you know, reading through the schedule and looking at things, you know, it's every year you get kind of like a kid in a candy store again. We're excited and you're like, Oh, I'm going to play this tournament. I'm going to play this tournament. You seem to run out of time you know, I get to Vegas. And now that I'm golfing, so the plan always is I want to work out in the morning, which is the first thing that usually goes to the wayside. And then I want to put in lots of hours in the cash game, I want to golf, I would like to play some more tournaments, obviously, I love going for nice dinners and nice bottles of wine. And then I got to hit the boneyard and and shoot some dice while I'm there. So, you you know, and then all of a sudden, you have a 36 hour marathon session, and everything's thrown by the wayside. And the last thing I want to do is sit in a tournament with thousands of people right but that's where that's where when you get lucky and get a good string of cards that's where the, the big money is
1: you know we'll see Mules, This has been a blast thanks so much for stopping by mojohnsports.com and the bio and uh, it was great learning about your story
2: thank you much thanks for having me always uh, always a blast on the golf course or on the phone or doing a podcast
1: yeah, we will see each other at Morgan Creek pretty shortly, I imagine.
2: <laughs> okay, see you, buddy.
1: Thanks, Greg.
2: The Mojon Sports Podcast is presented in part by Bet Online. For more episodes, check out MojonSports.com.
0: From hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend setting hotels, WestcoastTraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular West Coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com.